Because of the coronavirus scare, everything is weird. Going to school is weird. Sporting events are weird. I mean, we don't even have duck football. How weird is that? I can confidently say that eating out is weird, and I can even more assuredly tell you that church is weird. On Sunday mornings in our live service inside the church building, I have to preach with a face shield on looking at people who wear masks. How are we going to respond to the coronavirus? I need wisdom. On May 25th, George Floyd died. How are we going to respond to social injustice? What are we going to say? How are we going to respond? I need wisdom when it comes to issues of social justice. What about our community? There's lots of crime in our community, child abuse and poverty. How are we going to respond to those things? And I'm guessing that we need wisdom more than ever. On my drive here today to the church, it's about a seven minute drive from my office to the church, and I will count about 12 uh, tents where homeless people are sleeping alongside of the road. What are we gonna do about that, about the issue of homelessness? We need wisdom. There are so many issues that today that we need wisdom concerning. In fact, I was just reading this uh, this week about uh, a modern day slavery and child abuse, that it's a $150 billion industry across the globe. There are roughly 40 million people in slavery today across the world. 71% are women, 25% are children under the age of 18. Countries with the most slavery are China, uh, India with 8 million, China with 4 million, Pakistan with 3 million, North Korea with 3 million, and the list goes on. What we need more than ever is wisdom from God. That's what we need to address the issues that face us today. I'm doing a series, I believe, in today as we start the book of Proverbs because I believe Proverbs... That book of the Bible contains the wisdom we need to base our decisions on. It contains the wisdom we need to live our daily lives. It contains the wisdom, the Bible, the book of Proverbs, and how we should respond to the issues that are facing us. In other words, the Bible has guiding principles for us. This is the political season. How are you going to vote? How are you going to vote on initiatives on the ballot? Which issues are important to you? How are you going to make those decisions? I would tell you this, you need wisdom. How will you know truth from deception? You need wisdom. And that wisdom is contained in the pages of this book. Here's my old Bible I had a long time. It's, I've had it so long that the print is too small for me to read. I have to put on my reading glasses. But it tells me a lot. Here's an example of the practical nature of it. Proverbs 11:14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is found through many advisors. Proverbs is applicable not only to our world, but to our daily lives as well. And that's why today we are starting a spiritual growth campaign at Grace Committee Fellowship. It's called God's Twitter Feed, and we will be going through the book of Proverbs. When I read through the book of Proverbs several months ago, I thought, you know, this feels like a Twitter feed. It's just these bite-sized morsels that God gives us through King Solomon, and I need those so desperately. It contains the principles that I need to make decisions and then to act upon those. I think a theme in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, King Solomon realized this, when you have wisdom, you have everything. 
because wisdom is everything you need. Proverbs will tell you not only how to make money, but also tell you how to keep it and not be a fool with your money. Proverbs will tell you that with wisdom you will have lasting and deep friendships, rock-solid friendships. And Proverbs will tell you what to say and when to say it. Proverbs will give you the wisdom when to, how can I say this, keep your mouth shut. Proverbs will give you incredible wisdom. A lot of us experience misery in life because we don't follow God's principles. We have lots of stress. We have anxiety. We have a lack of peace because we've chosen to live by principles that are not found in the Bible. We've chosen to live with principles that are antithetical to God's design for our lives. And so we become stressed out, full of anxiety. We don't have personal happiness. When you have wisdom, you're going to be able to sleep at night because you know that God has your back because you've based your decisions on the all-powerful God of heaven who has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Proverbs 4, 5 says this, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Obviously, to get wisdom, as I've said, the best source is the Bible. And in it, we find God's timeless truth for us. It's wisdom on all kinds of issues for us. Now, the issues that we face today may not be directly addressed in the Bible, but what we have are guiding principles to help us. The Bible never tells us about social media, but I guarantee you the book of Proverbs tells us don't gossip. Did you know there's gossip on social media? Yeah, of course there is. So the Bible, Proverbs, gives us timeless truth. Since the COVID-19 issues, I've been home a little bit more. Many of you have too. And then I had surgery on my Achilles tendon. And so I flipped on some TV. And I watched this old reruns of a show called The King of Queens. You ever heard of that? It's got Kevin James and Leah Remini. And living in their basement is Arthur Spooner, their father, father-in-law. And Arthur is kind of this, well, cranky guy who lives in the basement. And in one episode, which made me laugh so much, he's sitting in a coffee shop and he starts giving advice to the coffee shop staff. One lady needs some advice on dating and he gives her some advice. Well, pretty soon, the people who work at the coffee shop learn to do the opposite of the advice Arthur Spooner gives. So when one of them asks for dating advice, they deliberately take the opposite. Another person asks for, him, asks for the advice of Arthur Spooner, like, hey, should I buy this house or not? They took the opposite. Lo and behold, he figures out that they're always taking the opposite. And they explain to him, well, your advice is always wrong, so we've learned to take, well, the other, the other aspect. Now, that's just a sitcom. It's a silly show. Makes me laugh. But there's a ring of truth to it. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 14, 12, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So there is a way that, that appears to be the right decision, but if you don't have God's principles, you're going to, well, you're going to be in misery. It's going to be self-destruction mode. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do for the next several weeks. As of last April, I decided that what we need to do as a church is to think about God's wisdom in today's world. And so on Sunday morning for the next five Sundays, we're going to address five topics found in Proverbs. And then in our community groups, if you meet Sunday night or Tuesday night, it doesn't matter what, when, but I have five different topics for each of our community groups to go through. 
And what I'm encouraging you to do is pick up this book that we've written for our community groups, for our church. It's called God's Twitter Feed. It's 10 bucks, or you can have it for free. We're just giving away if you need it. And inside this book, I've written 31 devotionals, one for each chapter of Proverbs. So I'm challenging you to read through the book of Proverbs during this series. You can start today, or maybe a good starting point might be October 1st. There are 31 days in October. There are 31 Proverbs. So this book contains a journal that you can also make notes as you read through Proverbs. I call it Read and Reflect. You can read through a book of the Bible. This will be amazing for some of you. Go, I never knew that stuff was there. It'll be so exciting for you. And you'll send me emails and I'll be thrilled to see what God is doing in your life. And that's what this series is about because, face it, I need wisdom. You need wisdom. We all need wisdom from God. Often we don't need more information. We've got so much information. But what we need is wisdom from God. We need the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Christ. So I challenge you to read through the book of Proverbs. So let's start with this, number one today, kind of what I would call a definition I got from author Steve May, and I really like it. It says, wisdom is the ability to make good decisions. What is wisdom? Well, it's the ability to make good decisions. I know lots of people, smart people. I know quite a few people have PhDs from Oxford, England, or Cambridge, friends of mine. I know some people are brilliant. And I also know brilliant people who have made a wreck of their lives. Why? Well, it's not because they don't have enough information. It's because they don't have God's wisdom. So wisdom is the ability to make good decisions. Some of you might be pushing back at me. No, no, no. Wisdom is taking action. Well, you're kind of missing the point here because wisdom also includes knowing when not to take action. See, sometimes we're in a situation and the right thing to do is to do nothing, right? So. We have to have wisdom in every situation. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions as well. Now, I want to talk about this in two ways. So bullet point number one is wisdom is, is what to do. Here's an example in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So this is a, what I call a positive stated proverb. And we're to honor God with our, with our incomes, with our possessions, with our wealth. And in, and in uh, Solomon's day, they were to give the first part of their income uh, back to the Lord at the temple. So, so we can honor God by being generous and by giving. And so I've been living that principle for many years. Honor God with our, with our giving. It's a matter of priority. So not only is wisdom making decisions about what to do, but it's also making a decision, the next bullet point, what not to do. Okay. We have a lot of those in the book of Proverbs. I read through the book again this week, and I was just astounded by how many of these we have. Here's an example, Proverbs 20, 19. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. In other words, don't be a gossip. How many people have you known that talk too much? They gossip. Proverbs instructs us, don't betray a confidence. Be careful not to put your trust into someone who's going to blab on you. And don't be the person who blabs. For some of you, that means you need to get off Twitter, Facebook, and every kind of social media there is because you talk too much. Many of the Proverbs are stated in the, in the negative. Don't lie, do not gossip, such as that. But actually, it's a literary device. It's rhetorical. It's trying to point you to the positive. 
by accentuating the negative as well. So wisdom is the ability to make good decisions. And listen to me closely. Sometimes wisdom will tell you to do nothing. Many of you can't take that because you're action oriented You're a driven personality kind of person. And so doing nothing or saying nothing is just not in your personality. But wisdom might tell you at times, this is the moment to do nothing, to say nothing. Now then, I want to talk about number two. Wisdom has unusual benefits. When I read through Proverbs, I see there are many, many benefits to living the wise life that Solomon outlines in these 31 chapters. I'll just mention a couple things, but one thing that happens is that wisdom gives us the benefit of prevention. How many times have you been protected by making a wise choice of, well, not going down a certain path? Don't hang out with those folks. Don't take those drugs. Don't drink, just all kinds of things. There's a prevention to it. It just frees us from self-destructed behavior. Here's a couple Proverbs about that. Proverbs 2.12, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. Proverbs 2.16, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman. That's sexual misconduct. Proverbs 3.23, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. In other words, wisdom protects us from self-destruction. Another thing that wisdom benefits is just prudence, I would call it, and that's the ability to make a good judgment. Every situation, we need to exercise good judgment. Here's an example, Proverbs 8.12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence, and prudence is good judgment. I possess knowledge and discretion. So wisdom benefits me that way. Here's another thing, wisdom protects me. Proverbs 4, 6, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. When we live a wise life, it prevents us from going down to self-destruction and it protects us from those decisions that we might make. Another thing that benefit of wisdom is just pays off in our personal lives. There's a payoff, a dividend to it. Proverbs 9, 12 says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Now just think about this. When we walk in wisdom and we let God's word just enmesh in our hearts and we live that out, we have peace of mind. We have happiness. We have fulfillment. Instead of living by fear, we can walk by faith. We have a sense that God is giving us direction in our lives. Wisdom is worth having. I mention all of this because sometimes we do not value God's wisdom. When we read certain things in the Bible, we say, that's so outdated. You know, the views of the Bible about sex and about morality are so outdated. No way. God's truth is timeless in our lives. But how do we get started with wisdom? How do we put it into action? Well, number three is fearing God brings spiritual health. Fearing God brings spiritual health. We see this in Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We start on the path of wisdom by putting God first in our lives. That's called the fear of the Lord. What's first in your life? What's your priority? If it's anything other than Jesus Christ, you're on the wrong path. You might have some success initially, but ultimately you're gonna end up in a place where you are frustrated, you have lots of stress, anxiety, 
you'll see the smoke in the air, you'll think it's the end of the world, and you're not sure where you're going to live someday in the future. Am I going to live in heaven or am I going to live in hell? You're going to be so uncertain in your life. But we need to start by putting Jesus Christ first. And in Solomon's day, this fear of the Lord is the fear of Yahweh. That's the Hebrew word for God. And they had a healthy sense of this fear of God. And what happens is that fools despise fearing God, but wise people take the Lord seriously. And it's like this. It's like we're submitting our own wills to the will of God. Now, a fool, all through the book of Proverbs, the, the word fool or foolish is found, and the fool will rely on their own judgment. They will rely on their own decision-making process. They'll lean on their own understanding instead of trusting God every step of the way. This uh, phrase, fear the Lord, is found many times throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs. In fact, it begins with fear of the Lord, chapter 1, and in chapter 31, talking about uh, incredibly godly women, it finishes with uh, um, uh, women who fear the Lord is to be praised as well. And so this concept of fear of the Lord is all throughout the book of Proverbs. It can be extremely painful for us sometimes to think about being living a life in the fear of the Lord as well because it is the death of our narcissistic ego. To live in the fear of the Lord is that our own selfish desires are going to yield to God. And that's why it's so scary for us. We think, why would I live in the fear of God? Why would I do that? Well, because God is the God is the uh, uh, supreme managing supervisor, creator of the universe. He's the all-powerful one. And when we fail to fear the fear of the Lord, we're turning inside into the internal parts of our of ourselves and getting all of our direction from ourselves. In other words, the sinful self takes over. And we make choices based upon what we see and what we feel instead of choices directed by God himself, by the Lord, through his scripture. And so that's why it's so critical that we fear the Lord. Our crisis is not informational. It is relational. The crisis that you feel in your life, the stress that you feel, the anxiety is not informational. It is relational. It's not a lack of information. It is a lack of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we need to have the fear of the Lord. We forsake the foolish nature within ourselves as well. Now, this word fear has a couple meanings. Basically means to be afraid. And it also means to be in awe of something, a reverential fear, so to speak. And I remember the first time I saw the Grand Canyon, and went, wow, that thing is huge. That's the biggest ditch I've ever seen. In fact, I can't even describe it as a ditch. It's just so overwhelming and spectacular. But at the same time, if you get too close to those ledges, you have a healthy fear that I don't want to fall off. I, I, I don't, you know, you have that kind of fear, fear of falling into the canyon, then you're just in wonder about the majesty of the, of the Grand Canyon. I think that's the way it is with our relationship with God. We need to have a healthy fear and respect and also a healthy wonder and awe that God is all-powerful. He's the creator, and I'm not. I'm just a mere 
human being. I need to understand the consequences of displeasing God, the consequences of not living for Him and have a healthy respect of Him. Proverbs 16, 6 says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. So when I have this healthy fear of the Lord, I avoid making the wrong decisions. I avoid sin and evil. So in other words, because I fear the Lord, I'm submitting to Him, and I'm avoiding evil, and avoiding those wrong decisions that can get me into trouble every time. Instead of fearing men, it's better to fear God. Think of it this way. Wisdom is like that booster on a rocket as it shoots up. It's the foundation of everything. Obviously, that wisdom is built upon Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but once in a while, I'll be driving down the street, and all of a sudden, I'll see a police car, and I flinch. Am I speeding? And then a police car will maybe be behind me, and I'll make sure I'm not speeding. And did I signal for that lane? Am I going to get, you know, I just have this. Now then, I sense it's one kind of fear. I get that. I get that. And for some of you, you fear that more than others. And I understand that. I want to say that today. But you know what? What if it was your, let's say you're 17 and your dad is behind you or your mom following you in the car? That would have given me more fear. Because you know why? Well, they're going to be quick to point out, you didn't signal in time. You were speeding. Don't do that again. Give me the keys to the car. You know, I have a little bit more fear when I look in the rearview mirror and see it, that it's my parents behind me. I think that's a little bit like it is when we walk with Jesus. If we can look in the mirror and see that Jesus is right there with us, it alters the way that we behave. It alters the way that we think. And our thinking is the key. We need to be thinking about the fear of the Lord in our lives because we have a God who loves us and cares for us but he's also the all-powerful God with expectations for us. He offers us grace and mercy, but we have responsibilities as well. And so with that tension, we need to have a healthy fear of God in respecting who he is and also bowing our knees to him in submission. So, fear of the Lord means to be in absolute awe and wonder of God. To be in the fear of the Lord is to have that healthy respect and reverence for him and bow down to him. You know, in ancient Judaism, they would not even pronounce the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh. They had such a fear of God, they did not want to mispronounce his name. And so because of that, they invented something else. I shouldn't say invented. They started using the term Adonai in Hebrew, which means Lord. So they didn't want to mispronounce Yahweh because they feared God. So they started using, every time they came across the word Yahweh, they would say out loud, Adonai. Now then, that could be because they had an unhealthy fear that they would get zapped right away. But I think it also shows a healthy fear of respect for God and reverence for Him at the same time. Number four in your notes is ways to make wisdom work. Now, it's one thing to talk about being wise, but how do we get legs to that? How are we going to really implement wisdom in our lives? And when you hear the term, that's really a wise man or a wise woman, I mean, what? Who comes up in your mind when you hear the term wise man? Oh, don't blurt out my name, you know, but 
No, no, no. I don't know who you think of. Who's a wise man? I thought about this, that this week, and sometimes we think of people who are really old and somehow gray-haired, and they've just made good decisions. You just think they've got a lot of wisdom. One of the persons for, for me was my grandfather, and when I was 21 or so, he died of cancer, but I remember thinking of him being a wise person. When he had cancer and in the hospital, I went to play gin rummy with him, and one day on a Sunday morning, we were playing cards, and he had a televangelist on the TV for some reason, and while the evangelist was speaking, he said to me, that's a lie. That guy didn't know what he's talking about. I just kind of had to laugh. I said, why, Grandpa? And he goes, because that's not scriptural. I think back upon that moment, and my grandfather, who only graduated from the eighth grade, never went to high school, probably had more wisdom than a lot of people I know about how to live life. See, that's making wisdom work and putting it into action as well. So I'll give you a couple points to get started on implementing God's wisdom. Here is believe, here's the first bullet point, believe that thoughts and behavior have corresponding results. We gotta believe that the way that we think affects the way that we behave and the way that we feel and so forth, and there will be corresponding results. I mean, let's just talk about beliefs for a second. Uh, some of you had a cup of coffee this morning. How many of you put cream in your coffee? Anybody? How about sugar? Did anybody put poison in their coffee? You say, well, see, that's ridiculous. Well, that's because you have a belief and it affects your behavior because you know poison is not good in your coffee. Okay, that's an extreme example, but yet our beliefs, to a great extent, determine our behavior. Wisdom is putting our beliefs into action at some point, whether it's doing something or not doing something. Jesus said, you reap what you sow. In other words, what you plant comes back in your harvest. If you are an angry person, you might get anger directed back at you. If you are a judgmental person, and you're sowing that, planting that in your relationships, you might get judgment back to you. If you're a gossip person, you might get gossip back your direction. If you are a gracious person, you get grace back to you. If you are a loving, forgiving person and you demonstrate that in your life, you're probably going to get that back from your relationships. Does that make sense? You will reap what you sow. And so our, we need to understand that our beliefs and our behaviors have consequences in our lives. Hey, I just admit this. When I do stupid stuff, I usually pay the consequences for that. And so do you. I mean, if you think you can eat pizza and ice cream every morning for breakfast, you're probably not going to lose weight, right? Because that's a belief and a behavior as such. Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? And the answer is, well, of course not. Of course not, that's not going to happen because there are consequences. You can't just scoop fire into your lap and not get burned by that. When I'm talking about consequences, I'm not only talking about the bad ones, but also the good ones. So we reap good things, we get good things in life. All behavior produces results in our lives. Here's another bullet point about putting wisdom to work. Learn from life experience. As you go through life, I highly recommend you stop and think, what have I learned from this situation? How has this event shaped me? What is God teaching me through this process? You lose your job, what are you, lo what are you learning? 
You're going through a tough financial time. What are you personally learning? You are having difficulty in a relationship in your marriage or with your children or with your parents. You're having difficulty in your work relationships. What, are, what is God teaching you? Learn from your own life experiences. That is one of the one of the ways in which God can shape us because it's not wisdom that you necessarily read about, but it's wisdom that God teaches you in life. So wisdom comes from life, personal life experience. So this yesterday I sat down and I wrote out seven things I've learned from personal experience. I'll share them with you briefly. I learned that social media is a terrible place to have a serious conversation about an issue. That's what I've learned. Two, I've learned that if I spend less than I make, my financial life is a little bit less stressful. Spend less than you make. Three, I've learned this. Listen to people to understand them. Don't listen so that you can argue with them. I've talked with people sometimes. You can hardly get a word in because they're ready to argue with you. Be a listener, in other words. That's what I've learned. I've also learned this. Healthy relationships bring me happiness. Stress brings me conflict. I don't need more drama in my life. Anybody need more drama? Do you really need more drama in your life? I've learned I don't need that in my life. I've also learned this. Sometimes helping people actually hurts them in the long term. So I'm very guarded about that. Will helping hurt or does helping move them forward in life? I'm I'm learning that too. I've learned this. Be firm on biblical truth. I am firm on biblical truth, firm on the Bible, soft on people. Firm on truth, soft on people. Because I believe Jesus was that way. And in my personal experiences, personal life experience, I've learned that's a pretty good way to live. I've also learned this. There are no perfect pork chops, and that's why God created hot dogs. You say, what does that have to do with wisdom? Not much. Somebody told me that today. So... I've just been thinking about that for some reason. There are no perfect pork chops. That's why God created hot dogs. This is what it spoke to me as I thought about my life when a friend said that to me at breakfast. I thought, you know what? Sometimes life doesn't go the way that I want it to, and I've learned from wisdom to keep on trusting God because He has a plan for something else. It's a plan for something else. We don't learn every lesson from personal experience We don't learn wisdom often from our own personal experiences. So many times I have gained lots of wisdom from other people. That's why we need to surround ourselves with people who are wiser than we are. We need wise people in our lives. It keeps us going in the right direction and we can learn from their mistakes. We can also learn from the ways that they have done things correctly. Solomon said this in Proverbs 13, 20, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. To put wisdom at work in our lives, we can tap into the wisdom of others. Isn't that right? Tap into the wisdom of others. That's why, that's why I am so passionate about people in our church, you, getting connected to a community group. That's why I want you to grab this book and go through it. Go through it with a friend. Start your own group. Go through it with two or three people. Join a group. Get plugged in. Find a way to connect with people who are wiser than you. We live in times that are really difficult. How are we going to respond?
Wouldn't it be nice to have a sounding board? And for heaven's sake, don't pick people who think like you do all the time. At least have one person who's a little different than you are. That's right. We need wise people in our lives so that we can make wise decisions. Here's the next one that put wisdom to work. Immerse yourself into God's Word. How do we do that? Well, we got to start by reading it. So I, I uh, read my Bible most every day. I've been, read, I, I've been reading books in the Old Testament lately. Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Immerse yourself into God's Word. You can do that by putting your phone app on the Bible and it'll read to you when you go from your house to your work. I have a seven-minute commute to my office. I can only get through about three-quarters of a chapter in the Bible. It just doesn't really work for me. So I'd rather take my phone app out and read through a section of the Bible and then just think about it. If you pick up this book, there's a place for you to journal and to write your own notes. Make God's Word the filter in your life to make decisions. It's the basis for everything. So I read the Bible and immerse myself in it. You can do it by music, by listening to other people, uh, listening to other people teach God's Word, those things. Ultimately, the wisdom we need in life is found through Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate source of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Many people look at the cross of Christ and they see something foolish. How could you ever believe in a God who died? How could you believe in a God who claimed to be the Savior of the world? How can you believe that Somebody was dead for three days and came back to life. How can you believe Jesus is the only way? Many people look at our faith and they call it foolishness. But it was God's wisdom that took Jesus to the cross. It was God's wisdom that we who needed a Savior, He provided a Savior. And it's God's wisdom today that maybe as you're listening to me that you trust Him as your Savior. Or maybe it's today that you're going to trust Him with, with every aspect of your life, no matter how difficult. You may read things in Proverbs, you may think about Jesus, and you may think, I don't understand how this could possibly work in my life. I don't get it. Well, in God's wisdom, He wants you to trust Him because He knows the right way to move forward. So the ultimate wisdom that we seek, the ultimate wisdom that we need, is in the cross of Christ. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from social media. I've been getting flooded with emails about all the things that I need to make it in life. Seven ways to make good financial decisions. Six ways to make sure you don't get COVID. Four ways to educate your kids at home. I'm sick and tired of that. I want to turn off my email. Because ultimately what I need is Jesus. Because Jesus is wisdom. And the Bible tells us when we lack wisdom to just simply ask for it. The person who wrote the book of Proverbs or the majority of the book of Proverbs is Solomon. One of the interesting things about Solomon was that he became king of Israel after his father David died. 
And what he did is, well, amazing. He prayed and told God, I don't have what it takes. Help me make wise decision in leading these people. And God honored that prayer. Solomon lived less than a perfect life. Oh, yeah, he was far less than perfect. He had some major screw-ups. But you know what? He started off with Jesus. He started off with wisdom by asking for it. We need to do the same. Ask God for wisdom. Ask Him to help you to know what to do, when to do it, when not to do it, when to speak up, when not to speak up. You know, there are times we just simply need to keep our mouths shut. And there are times we need to speak up. And there are times we need to listen. How will you know? Who should you trust? Who should you not trust? That's where wisdom comes into play. I have spent my life reading God's Word, and I can assure you this. When you read Scripture, God gives you wisdom. Now, we just read that passage in 1 Corinthians, so I want to encourage you to do this, to take communion on your own. Just right there in your home, you can uh, grab some juice or whatever and some crackers. And what you can do is if you have kids in your home, just lead them in taking communion. Just explain what Jesus did. You don't have to be a theologian. You know the basic story. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. If you believe in him, you have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. And when you take communion, it reminds you of that truth. It reminds you of where your ultimate source of wisdom is. It's in the cross of Christ. That's a game changer. I need wisdom. You need wisdom. I'm going to pray and ask God to give us that wisdom individually and us as a church family as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom. Wisdom in our homes, in our relationships. Wisdom concerning our finances and our jobs. We ask that you give us wisdom in how we think about the world, issues of poverty and justice, issues of homelessness and political issues. We ask for your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would help our church, Grace Community Fellowship, to be wise in how we reach out to our world. Give us wisdom in loving other people. Give us wisdom as we bring compassion and mercy to those who need to hear about you. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Have a great week.